damage on. Hello everyone and welcome to Anime Club After Dark, the podcast that delves into all things anime, manga, and otaku culture related. I'm your host Alex and joining me tonight I have our poser extraordinaire Nitai. This Glenn Grant single malt is like fucking awesome, I'm so glad I brought it on. Yes, he, he has been drinking for the last, like, hour or so before we started recording, so <laughs> brace yourselves for that. And tonight, we are going to be doing our fifth review of JoJo's Part 5. The this, penultimate uh, review, review, some would say. The, yes, the penultimate review. This review will cover episodes 29 through 33 of the David Productions anime adaptation of JoJo's Part 5. Uh, this also is the least amount of episodes we've covered in one of these reviews that we've been doing. We're only talking about five episodes. Hmm. So, gotcha, gotcha. and it only it only really encompasses one major fight, and that is the Green Day and Oasis fight. Natai. But also, we do cover a bit of whatever comes next, mm. which is yes. also awesome. So we'll, it is pretty damn it'll awesome. It'll be great. But let's first talk about the Green Day and Oasis fight. Right. So, okay, let's get into it. This fight is fucking awesome. I'm in love with this fight. Yeah, it's you were you were talking about it beforehand. It's a large scale fight because it takes place over a couple of different cities. Yeah, and it's it's so okay. So part five already had some like pretty fucking big fights. You know, like Grateful Dead and yeah. Beach Boys was huge. And then Araki is like, okay, let's just bring down an entire city to the ground because f- fuck it, why not? So that's cool. So yeah. I like that. I, it, it's fun. It's funny that you 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 mentioned the Beach Boy and uh, Grateful Dead fight Grateful Dead. because I was thinking about that the other day, and I thought, you know, there's a lot about this that harkens to. Have you ever heard of the or have you ever read the story Murder on the Orient Express? No, I haven't actually. Tell me about it. It's it's got a it's a lot like that. It's it's almost like so it, it takes place on a train obviously, the Orient Express, and it's about trying to figure out who's murdered someone on a train. In this case, it's murdering a bunch of people on a train, but a whole lot of them. I, I don't mean murdering, but like the like aging them. <laughs> yeah. Um but the the thing I equate to that is the sense of urgency that it has. Sure, because sure. Murder on the Orient Express has a bunch of urgency, and it's in a confined space. Which is really I just, cool. I was thinking about that the other day, and I figured I should bring that up. Yeah, it's it's really cool. It's, it, like, sets up this, like, interesting fight that it's, like, a race against the clock, because mm-hmm. every minute that, like, the protagonist isn't taking action, like, something bad is happening. In JoJo's case, it's people are, like, dying of old age, which is really cool. It's such a... Yeah. Unique setup. I like it. But Green Day and Oasis. Yeah, let's talk about that. So we arrive we arrive at a city. It's like, oh, things are looking great and it's it's okay. Coast is clear. Oh shit, this guy is growing mold all around him. That's weird. <laughs> let's talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think you can't really talk about Green Day and Oasis without talking about their stand the stand users, Chocolata sure. and Seco. Which are fabulous. Um, pretty fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. Um Chocolata's backstory is insane, mm-hmm. to say the least. Um, he's clearly he's set up to be this really brilliant person, which he is. He's a, a medical doctor who right. likes to experiment on his patients. Oh, I love that scene where he's like approaching this old guy and it's like, "Your family doesn't love you." It's like <laughs> just driving him crazy towards suicide. But see, that scene tells you all you need to know about Chocolata. That, that he scene just, and he's a that, sociopath. Yeah, and, and I like that because the boss is a pretty fucked up character, right? He like 
I don't know what happened in that flashback, but whatever happened of him, like, burning his own mother and stuff and, like, tying her mouth shut or whatever. The fact that this type of guy is claiming that Chocolat and Sokor are filth, quote, filth, <laughs> is saying a lot. <laughs> yeah. I, I like that he talks to Dopey and it's like, okay, I wouldn't talk to this filth if it wasn't that bad. It's like, okay, I get what you're saying. <laughs> But yeah, Chocolata is is a great character study in like sociopathic characters because he he clearly doesn't care about anyone but himself, and he he acts like he cares about Seko, but he doesn't. But he sort of does because he is fascinated with people. You know, that's like something that is like true to him. He is fascinated with people sort of dying, but he is and to that extent, he is fascinated with Seko as sort of a quote unquote patient. I guess. I- I guess, but that's still not a healthy doctor-patient no, no. relationship. <laughs> of course not. And later on, it's like, we'll get to the end of the fight later on, but there is some sort of interaction with Seko that is pretty interesting. Well, we'll get to that later. So yeah. So what do you mind. think about their actual standabilities, the Green Day and Oasis? I mean, you mean... In comparison to what we've seen so far in Part 5. Sanctuary... You Green mean. tea and sanctuary. <laughs> Listen, I love these stands. It's like, I like that we only got, I mean, so far, I don't know what comes later, but we only got so far only two stands, which are sort of armor, I guess, with the white little bim and uh, oasis. But they're cool and they're different. And I like that sort of approach to, like, fights. But Green Day specifically is such a, like, cool stand it's because like you see that escalation in the fight with first it's like okay we can't go down otherwise we'll get the mold okay cool but later on with the fight i mean we skip around but later on in fight it's like okay now chocolate is in a helicopter and we're all fucked it's such a cool setup like (laughs) yeah it's it's the classic stand scenario you have a specific ability with a specific um uh, condition that it's like, oh, your ability, like, my, this ability sucks, but in this condition, it's going to ruin your day. It's such a cool, like, premise. Yeah. Bless and Araki. it's also, it's, uh, yeah, it's also the the protagonist having to strategize their way out of the situation right. they find themselves in. I mean, this, this, this three-part fight, because it takes place over three episodes, is, is classic awesome. JoJo's stand battle. Yeah. It's awesome. It's, it's so... actually it harkens it harkens back a lot to some of the stand battles of part three, how you had to use spe- the, the protagonist had to use their powers in a specific way to get past the baddie. That sure, way. for sure. But it does, and it's like, but it still retains that later Araki flavor of this is super specific and even weirder than usual. Because mm-hmm. when you look back at part three, it's super vanilla, which is which it's okay because you know it's like the first part that delves into stands. Um, but yeah, this fight is fucking awesome. It's so good how it evolves and just keeps going. It's because you have this sort of first victory at the at the first city they're in, and then they keep and then they drive past this sort of fight and go to Rome and to the mm-hmm. Colosseum specifically, and how the fight escalates and it, suddenly you see people in the streets affected by the mold and now it's like oh shit. I mean, if we don't stop Chocolata, a lot of people are gonna die, which is like. I don't know how much the gang's the gang cares about it, but I think they do. So it's like, okay, cool. Um, but yeah, this fight is so like. Well, yeah, I, they clearly care about the collateral damage because they're trying yeah, to stop it. Yeah, and I mean, I don't like to use that word often, but this sort of fight is so 
epic and grand scale, which is such a, yeah. such a departure sort of, you know? Well, and it also feels like there's way more at stake than just yeah. the lives of the characters in, in this fight. Yeah, for sure. I mean, specifically, a certain character we'll get to later. But yeah, there's so much more at stake in this fight specifically, yeah. which is really cool. I like that. Speaking of uh, a certain specific character, should we talk about Le Zombie Bruno? Yeah, let's talk about him. Uh, <laughs> so it, it was it, hinted for a while. Yeah, it's hinted that he's kind of a walking corpse, and it's pretty much confirmed by mm-hmm. this point because he keeps getting hurt yet not being hurt. <laughs> Which uh, I'm totally okay with because back when uh, Bruno faced King Crimson for the first time, I sort of had this issue with Jonah bringing him back because it felt sort of cheap. But the fact he yeah. is a zombie and he's probably not going to make it till the end of the part, which is sad, but it does feel right, you know? It's tragic, but it's right. It feels right to me. Oh, yeah. It, it, you definitely got it right. It's tragic, but it's almost like it's giving him a second chance to redeem himself. Yeah, which is cool. Like, you know, he is, like, he, he does think of the team as his family. He does want them to, like, be like, in the best possible position. And yeah, we'll see in the next few episodes, I mean, you've read the manga, you know, but I don't. We'll see how <laughs> far it'll go for them, but I'm sure it'll be brutal and sad, and I'm going to cry and bring the towels. I don't know. So there is something we're going to talk about in just a few minutes that that kind of relates to this, too. We can go ahead and talk about it now if you want. But is this whole Bruno the zombie thing, like, an, the ultimate literal death flag? <laughs> Oh, yeah, for sure. There's no way he's returning from the grave. <laughs> so you don't see him being at the end of the story? No. I, I mean, maybe in the final... I, but I don't see him, like, living past this part, you know? Yeah. There's no way. Like, uh, I'll be happy if he does, but I don't think he wants to as a zombie, because that fucking sucks. Well, I mean, there, there's also the thing where he's talking... Where he's, to Trish. He thinks he's talking to Trish about his his place that she can stay at, like... The, if there's there is no other more clear death yeah. flag in anime than someone Ugh. talking about what what do we do after we're done with this? That seems if someone starts talking about that, they're mm, fucked. Yeah, that seems specifically it was such a just a sucker punch because it's it because you just like throughout the part you knew that Bruno cares about his teammates. He he wants them to just be like in the best place possible. He wants them to be good. And that scene is like, even Trish, which is sort of an outsider for the gang, he still cares about her and he wants her to be like, just be safe, you know? It's such a, I don't know, brutal daddy. Uh. <laughs> he, oh my. He clearly, <laughs> he clearly cares more about Trish than her own father does, mm-hmm. the boss. So yeah, it, it's, you see that and you're like, oh fuck, man, Araki. He's a special case, though. <laughs> um,. But yeah, getting back to the Green Day Oasis fight, um, the con- the one of the conclusions of that fight, the 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 uh, the conclusion with Chocolata and Green Day, um, the seven page Muda, we got to talk yeah. about it. So for you as a manga reader, how was it first reading it and then watching it getting adapted? It was really quick it. to read it because it's literally seven pages of Jorna going Muda 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 Muda. Yeah. Um, I, it was really easy to the art in that is in the, the, that part of the manga is really good. Um, if you notice the uh, if you watch through all of the ED for that episode, there's actually a specific section of that ED with credits listed. It's yeah. called um, uh, 
uh, what was it called? Uh, it was called the Muda Muda Key Animators. Yeah, I've seen it. It's so good. Like, and there was like, I think there was like eight people that worked just yeah. on that scene. And also, I saw this tweet by the guy who voices Jorno, who was like, "Yeah, this is the script for this episode. It's just pages and pages yeah. of Muda. It's so good." <laughs> yeah, um, I think I also read something that the guy who voices the uh, say you that voices Jorno like almost got to the point where he thought his voice was going to crack while they were recording it. <laughs> Which, I mean, props to him for keeping going, I guess. Yeah, that, that section for me was... Because I heard somewhere along the line, like, something that there is a seven-page mood, and I was like, okay, whatever. <coughs> Excuse me. But when we actually got to it, it was... It, it really harkens back to, this, back to the Steely Dan fight in part three, which is like... Mm-hmm. You have this despicable villain that you just want to punch right in the face, and then you get this like payoff, and it's such a satisfying conclusion to to the fight, which ah, it it feels so good, and the music and the sound design specifically, it's so yeah. good. God damn. Mm. Yeah. I'm just I'm so glad it was animated well because I knew it was coming up at some point and I thought, mm, this can go so bad so easily. I am surprised that we, we're we're getting close to the end here. We got what, six episodes left to go? Yeah, six episodes. Um Yeah. I'm i I'm so surprised we have yet to see any noticeable drop in animation quality. Mm. Like there were some cut quarters, but just, but yeah, I, I can is... tell there, there's one or two. There have been one or two cut yeah. corners here and there, but by and large, this it still looks great. There's way less cut corners in this than there were in part four. Yeah, sure. yeah, for for sure. Like Seko's ass didn't look as glorious as it is in past episode, but still, <laughs> true. Um, very, Jesus Christ. <laughs> now I'm gonna have to go look for some fan art. <laughs> God damn it. Um, Speaking of Seiko, yeah. The the well, uh, should we talk about how the fight, the Green Day Oasis fight, actually ends? Yeah. So after like we beat the shit out of Chocolate, which was super awesome, we did get a bit more of Bruno against Seiko, which was so weird because it's like, okay, this fight takes un- it takes place underground, and Seiko is swimming through it, which is cool, and then you see Bruno like stepping through like walls of zippers Sticky and stuff. Sticky fingers. It's so weird, and I love it. It's so strange. Yeah. And it's that's also the part, I think, where Bruno starts to realize that something's really not right with me. I mean, in the previous episode, he sort of tells Journal straight up. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm something's wrong with me. Yeah. But I think he's finally accepted and he's like, all right, yeah, this is the way exactly. it's going to be. He's, it's like, the way it's going to be. his death, which yeah. is sad. But, like, that, that whole fight also, like... I, I can't stress it enough. The sound design of the past few episodes is like mm. top notch because, like, For okay, sure. you have a guy swimming through the ground. How do you convey that in a sound? And it's so like, ah, oh, it's so brilliant how they use it. I can't like. Well, ugh. and how I don't know if you noticed this, but any 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 of the scenes that took place underground, the sound was all muffled. Yeah, which is oh, it's so good. God damn. It's it's the little things like that. Like that's what I'm saying. This is by far, in my opinion. Well, obviously, we're not done with this anime adaptation yet. But sure. in my personal opinion, as an anime or as a manga reader, this anime adaptation of Part Five is the best anime adaptation of yeah, any part for of the sure. manga so far. For sure. I don't know if this is my favorite part yet. I really don't know. 
it's probably up there. But in terms of like, if I look at it objectively, like this season is the best one so far. Easy, mm. easy. Yeah. In terms of just sheer like uh, art quality and sound design, right? It's, it's got to be the best. Yeah. In my in my opinion, For sure. as a longer reader. Um, Man, you you probably yeah, feel I, so good because part five is your favorite, right? Part five is my favorite part of the manga so far. Um, obviously part eight isn't done yet, and God help us if it ever gets done. It'll uh, probably be done soon. But yeah, I think even part eight, I'm sort of, I, I like it because it's JoJo's, but it's certainly not my favorite part at all. Um, okay. But yeah, part five is my favorite part of the manga. So you must feel really like. I don't know. Satisfied with how this I'm incredibly is satisfied. Going. Although I was, I w- I went into this with very high hopes because I know that in Japan, part five is also the most liked part of the manga. Right. So it, I think there was an extra emphasis on David Productions to get this part as right as possible. Because the, I I think I read somewhere the director said this is his favorite part. So I think that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Which is cool, because for the longest time, I don't know why, it felt like the discourse around part 5 was, eh, this, this is the part where it gets kind of worse. I have no clue why, because it's so good. It's so good. I don't know if it's related to the scans that were released, or maybe they were like lower quality. I don't know. Maybe people just weren't okay with characters feeling more, quote-unquote, gay. I don't know. <laughs> but this, this part is so good, dude. Like, yeah, mm, I don't know. Like it depends on how it ends, but so far part four is my favorite. Not gonna lie, but for part five is like super close to it. Yeah, I, I I'm really looking forward to seeing how you think the story ends because sure, that sure. Uh, for for most people that I've talked to, and of course I'm only talking to Western fans of JoJo's, they either love or hate part five. Like, there really isn't a huge pe- amount of people that are in the middle. Like, they kind of like, it's okay, but it's not my favorite. Um, you either love it or hate it. Kind of the same thing with part six. Is there a um, reason people don't like it? Like, what kind of like, I don't, arguments I don't do you hear? I don't know. I, th- I, think, I think for a long time there really weren't any English scans of part five. I mm. think being able to actually read it in the West, at least in English, is a somewhat new thing. Right. Like, I don't gotcha. think there were reliable English scans until about maybe five or six or seven years ago. I think that's a big factor for sure. Maybe, maybe. But getting but back, back to the actual track. fight, <laughs> back on track. We went on big tangent there. Um, <laughs> so the the whole the, this whole fight, Green Day and Oasis fight, leads them to being at the at the Colosseum in Rome. Yeah. Now, which is Why awesome. are they at the Coliseum, Natai? We got our Polpo back. I mean, not Polpo, but Polnareff. God it's, damn. It's your boy, Polnareff. Oh, I missed him so much. So, throughout the... Like, I had a feeling... I mean, you sort of told me that maybe there's a returning character. But damn, seeing Polnareff back again made me feel so good inside. Because I missed that Toilet Boy. Yes, Toilet Boy <laughs> is back. However, and, briefly... Yeah, but we did get an explanation why it looks so messed up, but we'll get to that later. Yeah, yeah. But it's cool, I like, just... that tease it... at the end of the episode with him, like, with the, um, um, oh, fuck, I'm blinking on the word, but the, like, him looking at the fight from a distance was such yeah. a cool tease. Through the binoculars? Yeah, binoculars, thank you. Um, yeah, and he... <laughs> 
I'm the tipsy funny thing as is, you can guess. I, I, I thought I I I realized this. I, I obviously this is in the manga too, but I realized this as I was watching the anime. You know when he's looking at the um the laptop before everyone gets to the the coliseum and it's showing ev- the members of Passione. Right. Uh, you know, there's only one person it doesn't show. Well, actually, right. there, there's there there was two, but there's really only one. It doesn't show Fugo. <laughs> <laughs> Araki for Araki just does, doesn't how care. Does, how the fuck does how does fuck does Polnareff know that he left them? Eh, eh, it's okay. Who cares? I mean, <laughs> I care because I loved Fugo, but eh, whatever. Uh, I just thought Pro- that was a funny little detail. It was probably an Araki forgot moment, though. Side note, side note, though. Do you think they'll do an OVA for Purple Haze feedback? Because I haven't read it yet, but I know it's a book that exists. So Ooh. yeah, they might. I I would watch it. It's it's not bad. Um, I'd watch it. Yeah, I would. Maybe they will in between doing a part five and part six adaptation. I do not know. Who knows? But anyway, back to the show. Um, yeah. yeah, that was such a fun tease to see him back, and it's the same voice actor, but I like how he approached changed the character more. Yeah, he changed his voice a bit. Made, be, it, made him sound older and, like, more world-weary. Yeah, which is funny because he's only 36 years old, which isn't that yeah. old. But, like, shit happened to him. He's in a wheelchair for... Oh, yeah, crying for sure. out loud. And he's wearing a really classy monocle. He does. <laughs> God bless I love, him. I miss him. I love Paul Nerap. I, I was so glad that Araki decided to bring him back for part five. Which um, is so cool because, like, the first thought I had in mind after Holy Shit, it's Paul Nerap was, wait, how does Silver Chariot work in this part? Because, again, back to what we said, part three had pretty vanilla stands, right? Yeah. But... Once he like brings out a uh, uh, chariot, it's so genius how Araki uses that stand. I love the oh, way yeah. he utilizes it. Oh yeah, for sure. He uses it in a way you haven't seen it utilized before. Yeah, and that was it's fun so to see. Cool. Ugh. I can't um, contain myself. But so the reveal of Diavolo, because right? Because that's what happens. Oh, this. my stripper Italian boy. Yes. <laughs> Um, I I definitely want to talk about some of the symbology you see in this. Um, It's certainly a callback to part three where you have um, Polnareff on the stairs looking at the main villain for the part. Right. Um, In part three, you had Polnareff looking up the stairs at Dio. Dio means God in Italian. In this, you have Polnareff looking down the stairs at Diavolo. Diavolo means devil or demon in Italian. It's such so a cool I the detail. Symbology of that was, yeah, the, 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 the very simple symbology of that was actually really elegant, to be honest. Um, I don't know if that was intentional on Iraqi's cool part. Detail, like, if it was, it's genius. God, Even I mean, if it wasn't, it's genius. Uh, like, we're jumping around. But, like, but and also, number the one, way a great callback to, to the reveal of Dio like, in part three. I remember when I watched the, the fight with Se- like Bruno and Sego fighting each other. Bring the symbology of what the characters think of the the villain that they're fighting yeah exactly because clearly in part three everyone had to look up to dio because his stand was so much more powerful than everyone else's yeah but in this they all they're looking down at diavolo in contempt yeah and it's great symbology yeah it's such a cool it's such a cool callback to part three and also we have a shit ton of callbacks to part three honestly Mm -hmm. like seeing polnareff and jotaro which is cool seeing him in part five's art style but 
seeing the like looking for these arrows and then real oh shit and then realizing <laughs> don't <laughs> spill your fucking alcohol i'll put it like further away from me sorry i sorry <laughs> what was it yeah so and seeing them like look for all these stand arrows which also we kind of know the origin of which i guess like space magic so whatever okay and yeah, I was curious as to what you thought about the actual explanation of the, so, the stand era origin. So it's kind of, I'm okay with it because it sort of makes sense that only like a portion of people sort of react to it in this the sense that they are their stand awakens. Like, okay, I'm I can buy it. It's like whatever, and it sort of calls back to Holly sort of stands taking over her, but whatever. It's sort of, it's strange, but I don't mind. Also, shout out for David Production for using Star's Crusader's main theme while Polnareff was uh, explaining that whole situation on the yeah. laptop. <laughs> that was cool too. That was so cool, and I'm using the like the silhouettes. Oh God. Mm. Anyway, I like that, and like oh, seeing Jotaro was... <laughs> and po- what is it? I was just like, you. It was a pause, and it's like, oh, I'm just to talk now. <laughs> <laughs> I was just listening to the episode. But anyway, like, seeing Jotaro and Polnareff, like, searching all over the world for, like, seeing, like, these arrows, where they originated from, and what's the whole deal with them. Like, I'm guessing we'll get an explanation of where Jotaro was at that time. But when Polnareff was facing off the, the boss, it's such a cool scene, because it's like, for Polnareff, Diablo is, like, way beyond whatever he faced at that time. Like, we'll not get to their fight later on. But it's like, he he fucks him up. Gee. (laughs) Yeah. So, one of the things that happens when Polnareff faces Diablo is he stabs Silver Chariot with Stand Arrow. And... Wait, wait. That's later on, though. Back in the original fight, though, he cuts both of his legs. Oh yeah, you're talking. Oh yeah, you're talking about. The I was talking fight. about yeah, the original yeah. fight. So, like, cuts b- both of his legs off, and I think one of his arms too, or a hand. Yeah, I I think so. I think so. My my tipsy mind is having a hard time remembering. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. The the original fight was well. The ending of that was kind of brutal. Yeah, for sure. I have no idea how Polnareff survived it, but God bless him. And because before... Araki said so. Before we get to that fact, I do want to highlight one specific thing. Uh, so, la- the episode where, um, Pol- like, the end of the fight between Bruno and Seko, I want to highlight this one specific scene. So, I was watching it with a buddy of mine, and the moment Dopio walked into the scene, I was like, this is fucking genius. Because you have Seko and you have Bruno facing each other, and then you have this supposedly citizen walking into this fight but Seiko isn't aware that he is about to kill his boss and Bruno isn't aware he's about to save the boss right Mm -hmm. and Dopio is all like just I don't know how to like word it but he's just like taking all of this in and like about to get killed but then Bruno saves him and it's such a brilliant scene right because you have this the main villain the story like caught in between this fight which is like oh it's so good right yeah (laughs) it's it's almost you would if it were any less of a writer i would say that it's just using convenience as uh of like a hedge for bad writing 
but it seems very believable. Yeah, because I'm, I don't think this is bad writing. I think it's excellent because you take your central villain and you shove it inside a, a fight. It's, it sort of subverts your expectation. And sort of, oh, for and sure. Also, and also bring a whole new spin to the fight because Dokyo is when it's like, oh shit, this is like one of the mercenaries we just talked to to eliminate Bruno. But as like the fight ends and so, you know, it's pretty cool that Seko ends up in the same trash uh, uh, truck as Chocolata. Yeah, right. But, <laughs> I love that detail. Uh, but as the fight, but as the fight ends, then Dopio is like talking to Bruno. It's like a whole mind game of okay, I know this guy. I need to play him and understand where he's heading. And for Bruno, he's like. Which I don't know, Iraqi magic, but fuck it, whatever. It's Iraqi like, oh, magic. it's Trish, which is such a yeah. cool. Mm. I love that episode. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a great detail. It's a great detail that plays really well into you know the whole thing what we talked about before of Trish or Bruno talking to Trish about his own plays and it's like death flags everywhere. Yeah, for sure. So getting back to the Diavolo uh, fight with Polnareff when they're at the yeah. Coliseum. For sure. Um, so it, that fight ends more or less with uh, Polnareff stabbing Silver Chariot with the stand arrow. And you see a big old bright flash of light. And then Polnareff falls over pretty much dead. And, no, uh, or my toilet implied, boy! Implied to be dead. But then the, the ending of that episode, you see the Silver Chariot climbing up one of the walls. Yeah. Now, for all we know about stands, once Very the stand liquid user for dies, the stand is dead. Which is weird, because towards the end, Silver Chariot begins to sort of liquefy, and mm-hmm. I don't know why. And again, in a few days, the next episode is going to air, and I'm, I think my, answer, my questions will be answered, but <coughs> it's such a... Uh, it's so weird, because you have this vanilla stand with Silver Chariot, right? And it yeah. faces this King Crimson, which is such a advanced and broken, honestly, stand. And Polnareff still manages to, like, hold his ground. Like, I love that small detail where Polnareff is sort of, like, spilling this blood in order to see where it lands, in order to see where... Yeah. If time is skipped. <laughs> exactly. It's such a cool detail. Like, oh, it's so genius. Yeah, yeah it is. It is. I think it, they, they pulled it off really well in the anime, too. But just that that last scene where you see Silver Chariot climbing up the wall, it's like, what's going to happen? Yeah, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were dead. (laughs) And then, like, this cowboy Silver Chariot mix-up thing just shows up. It's like, oh, see you next week. Fuck you, Bye. Um, So, I think we're we're, we're ramping up toward the final fight. As I said, there's only six episodes left. Um, only i'm sure i'm sure you're a hype as hell to see how this is gonna finish Uh, out Um, so it looks like they're gonna spend the next six episodes on this final fight um minus whatever they use for like the epilogue in the last episode um i i'm assuming we might get a new op variation next week in line with how it's been in the past when the final fight starts Mm -hmm. you get the stand from the main the main villain stand fucks with the op which also side note it's cool that in this part we knew what the stand is capable capable of but we didn't know who the stand user is which is kind Mm -hmm. of a cool mix-up yeah it is um 
I have a theory. So okay. we've got a lot of we got a lot of play with this part with soundtracks, right. especially the fact that we have two EDs in this part, which is new mm-hmm. uh, for JoJo's. I have a feeling that the OP the screwing with the OP might actually be done with the ED this time. I have a theory actually that maybe midway through the OP, fighting gold is gonna kick in. I mean, I don't know how, but maybe that's my theory. Or it'll start out with fighting gold, and then halfway through it'll skip to the like the end of uh, uh, Trader's Requiem. Yeah, I honestly have a clue. I mean, like if you want to be very cynical and think about how they're gonna cut like cut cost, I guess maybe only they only add Diavolo in the OP. But honestly, I I, I really wit I really hope that there is more to it, either maybe. next week or the well, we don't even week know after if it's that. Happen I, I don't know. Next week. Yeah, there's like six episodes left. I am I don't know when they will change the OP, but there's gotta be something there, right? Oh yeah, for sure. They'll they'll do something. I don't know what it'll be. And then of course the the next to last episode always has all of the um, all the previous OP singers get together and do like a combined I mean, version of the OP. Yeah, in part four, like the very final episode of the show was all the singers coming along and singing, but. Here's yeah. the question to you. I have a strong feeling that all of the singers will sing um, Fighting Gold. Do you think it'll be Fighting Gold or Trails Requiem? Which one? It might be. They might go back to Fighting Gold, but it'll be like a big, you know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it'll be. I a, can't wait for know, Tommy you... Tommy to be like, Fighting, fighting Gold! gold! <laughs> <laughs> uh. That would be great. That would be absolutely great. I, I'm, I'm obviously, David Productions is great when it comes to stuff like this. I'm really looking forward to what they come up with. Right. They so always come good. up with something uh, that surprises us. It'll be so good. Honestly, I can't wait. Uh, I, the last episode was the first time I was like, I can't wait seven days for this shit. What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> it's going to be yeah, so you good. You waited two and a half years for it. You can wait seven days. <laughs> so, without giving much away, like, did you like the ending of part five? Yes. I'm curious. Yes. I did. Okay. That's all I needed I to thought. Do. I thought the ending of part five was as satisfying as the ending of part four. In the manga. Ooh. We'll see. Maybe per f- part maybe five not, will be I would my say favorite. maybe not as thorough, but certainly as enjoyable. We'll see. We'll see. I'm, I'm super pumped. In a few days, the new episode will air, and we'll see what the fuck is going on with Silver Chariot, but I'm so pumped. I've, it's so fun. I, I feel so great about being so pumped about a new JoJo episode. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I, it's it's great, man. It, I'm so glad that this this fucking part is show, going over dude. It's so also good. also worth pointing out that I don't think I mentioned this last time, but I actually noticed it before we started recording the last review we did, number four, is that so far this is the highest rated JoJo's anime adaptation on Mal at an eight point eight one. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we'll see if it holds its like rating, but it's on again. I can't stress enough. Part four. Maybe my favorite part, but five, part five is the best season, period. Yeah. And it's I think that's so a good. great way to wrap this up. <laughs> Fighting gold. gold! All right, so thank you all there for dropping in to listen to us. We hope you enjoy it because we always enjoy bringing this stuff to you 
If you want to check out previous episodes of the podcast, you can find us on YouTube, SoundClouds, I, SoundClouds, SoundCloud, <laughs> iTunes, and Spotify. If you want to keep up with what we're doing, you can join us on Discord, Facebook, Twitter, and our website. Shoot us an email if you have any questions or if you have any ideas for topics you'd like us to talk about in the future. Links to all these things will be down below in the description. As always, I have been your host, Alex, and I will see you next time. Say goodnight, Natai. Good night, and keep on drinking and posing at the same time because that's a good idea. Yeah, it is. Hey, hey, Natai, do you hear hey, that? What's that? Do, do you hear that? What is that? <laughs> Have a good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.